Today's guest says he is currently in a long-term relationship with radio. He also says he and radio have been together since he was 15 years old, a lifelong love affair. Maybe my favorite part of the way he talks about things and what he says, and maybe it'll be yours too, as he says, quote, we've had our ups and downs, but we've never separated. There's nothing I wouldn't do for her, including going to the ends of the world, unquote. By the way, that might involve tacos. Maybe I'll ask about it. Uh, at the same time, I have to say this, we might also visit the other side of today's guest uh, and their life in politics. I don't even know if that's correct, but you'll understand why shortly. Trust me. This sounds like exactly the kind of person that we really like to talk to on our podcast. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. Our goal is always the same. It's to encourage radio pros at all levels. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know that we drop fresh weekly episodes every Sunday featuring a radio pro working somewhere, usually in the U.S. or Canada, uh, right now. So this is current events. This is not people who used to be in radio. It's happening right now. To enjoy our podcast, you only have to be interested in others, be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead, and ways to make your radio career more profitable and more successful. Sounds like a deal. Each week, we give you an opportunity to see a snapshot of an individual who is in our business. It allows us, you and me, to see radio from a different perspective, maybe a different uh, career arc than you and I have, and to hear how they are embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves, RPC. Everyone knows that every single programming consultant focuses on music, talent, talent coaching, marketing, except one. The one works on music, talent coaching, and marketing, and we also help local radio clients leverage those improvements into more sales and bigger revenue growth. Even our name means pathway to money. When we go to work for a client and they follow our collaborative process and strategy, their revenue and their profit goes up rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? You've got enough ideas? Are your local radio stations programmed and positioned correctly to collect the most money today in your local radio market? Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? We can help you. Schedule a meetup by email. It's so easy. First consultation is free and highly confidential, F-O-R-D, at RainmakerPathway.com. We're just about a moment away from welcoming our dove. That's right, the creator and host of Sunday Night Slow Jams and the weeknight slow jams with our dub a big thank you to joe kelly for producing the encouragers the radio rally podcast which we make available minutes after we record this live interview in our social media and also on our podcast itself and we want to say thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast by the way, you can see what you can get for free from our entire team in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. Always encouraging. This includes our encouraging sales success series and our more than live and local guest series. And now let's see what we can learn from this week's guest, R-Dub. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you, sir? 
I am uh, phenomenal and and happy and grateful. I feel like I'm one of the luckiest people in the entire world. So before we even get started, I want to say thank you for having me. And I am just, man, I mean this. It sounds like I'm sipping on the Kool-Aid. But uh, I, I like to think that I enjoy every day more than than the previous. And man, I'm just I'm happy to be here. It's a good day. Let's uh, let's chat a little bit. You know, I'm really excited. I think that you make your own luck. I think, and I'm talking about you specifically, and I think you are manufacturing your own happiness. We're going to get into that. I want to know, where were you born? I was born in Hinsdale, Illinois, uh, right outside of Chicago. Um, And uh, I mean, it's not really my home because I left when I was just three years old. um, And I grew up in uh, Los Angeles County, California, and then on to Tucson, Arizona at 15. Yeah, and I feel like those two markets are connected, by the way. I'm talking about Los Angeles and Tucson in my mind and in the radio business, but maybe we can get into that. Before we do, though, can you think back before radio? Please share with us your first experience that you can remember as a radio listener before you were involved on the air or in radio in any way. My very first shout out, I had, uh, you know, j- recently discovered radio. I actually started listening to oldies because that's the music I grew up with uh, l- listening to in the car with my dad. And uh, there was a short-lived Los Angeles station, KODJ, and they play o- they played oldies. Uh, this was late 80s, right? I was in elementary school still. And I remember I called in. Uh, I don't even know if they were called shout outs back then, but I told them my name and where I was listening from. I requested a song. And five minutes later... They said hello to Randy listening in Sunland, and here is your request. And man, I've never felt that feeling before. And and in the same year, I, I was at the county fair, and one of the radio stations was set up. I'll never forget the question they were asking: Who is your favorite of the three Stooges? And you know, five or ten people were in line to 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 step up to the microphone and give their answer. And I gave my answer, and I couldn't wait to run back to my parents and tell them that I was just on the radio it was a pure radio uh, organic magic at its best if you're going to drop a bomb like that i gotta know which stooge is your favorite of course mo mo of course (laughs) all right look it looks like you started in mid-1993 from the information that i have kxci tucson uh tell us what brought you into the radio business officially how did it happen who brought you into the business well, I mean, this is a spoiler alert. This is the climate. This is my favorite story, and I'll just I'll drop it on you, and I'll I'll try to be brief. But it is the the lesson and the one moment that set my life on a very distinct and I think amazing path a pathway. Um, at oh, fifteen don't, years don't. old, well, I I can't I can't tell you about my first radio gig without telling you about what what happened. I was only 15 years old. I had just moved to Tucson, Arizona. I'd had the dream of being in radio for two or three years. Look, at 13 years old, I knew I wanted to be a radio DJ, 100%. I went to the library and checked out the books, and I'm, I'm going to be a broadcaster. At 12 years old, I made up my mind. At 15 years old, I moved to Tucson, Arizona to live with my mother after living with my dad for a little bit. So it's a new city. Um, I'd always been entrepreneurial. I've always had odd jobs. I've always um, I've liked earning you know, a little bit extra money. And I, at 15 years old, I had a job doing landscaping in Tucson, Arizona in the 120-degree heat. It was absolutely awful. I come cool. home from working a, a, a hot July afternoon, uh, pulling up cactuses and getting bit by scorpions and running from snakes. Cool. My mom has the newspaper in her hand, 
And she says, Randy, this is great. There's an advertisement in the one ads uh, for uh, a DJ wanted for a mobile DJ company. No experience required, but preferred. So this this might be perfect for you. Call this guy. See if you can become a DJ. And I looked at my mom and I'm 15 years old. And of course, your parents know nothing when you're 15. You know it all. And I said, thanks, but no way. They are going to laugh me out of there. Um, I have no experience. Uh, there's no way I'm I'm calling. So thank you, but no thank you. So next day, like Groundhog Day, I, I went out and did landscaping and, you know, but busted my butt. Uh, came home and my mom said, have a seat. Uh, and she uh, begins to tell me that my mother, now remember, I'm 15. My yeah. mom tells me that she herself went ahead and called that mobile DJ company and had a talk with the owner and told the owner all about her son and why he should hire her son as a mobile DJ. And Lloyd, I almost ran away from the uh, the, the house and the city that day. I could not believe it. I was. That's awesome. Uh, no, that's, well, it, in hindsight, it is, but at fifteen, that's mortifying. Your mom? What? Well, but it's such a great connection now, you know. And to hear about you being such an entrepreneur, but at that point refusing things—that's so crazy. Okay, so, listen. Pretty quickly, you were also doing nights on KJYK in Tucson. Did you? stay up and work both nights and overnights. Am I reading that right? How did this split shift at different stations develop you? But Lloyd, I have to tell you, I got the job. That's the lesson. And that's, I didn't, you, right. you didn't let, let me put that in. I called the next day and this guy ended up hiring and that put me on the pathway to everything that was after. And the lesson there was to never, ever, ever be afraid to ask for something, even if you don't that's think right. you're qualified. I wanted to put that that's in there. That's no, that's a hundred percent right. And uh, but but how did you end up doing the two things? Or am I reading that wrong? Well, I, you know, I worked for a local radio station, the, the community radio station KXCI, at, at sixteen years old, and they gave me an overnight show, and I kind of I got to do whatever I wanted and play my own music, and I really really enjoyed it. And shortly after, uh, I got hired by my first commercial radio station, and they they let me do both. So. Uh, yeah, that, that goes for a long day of, of of school, of high school, and then the night show, and then you do an overnight show. Uh, I don't know how I did it, but I did it because I loved it. Well, and, and we've talked to several people who have had some interaction with non-professional and then professional, if you want to call it that way. And I often wonder if that makes people more creative because they have those creative freedoms up front, you know? I think it could be. I'll tell you too. It also it also shows you different ways of approaching things, and and honestly, right and wrong ways, and and you can uh, you can learn things from one another, and then as you mentioned, meld them together using your creativity. So I th I think they're absolutely right. I always think that creativity belongs in our business, no matter. I mean, we all get that it's a business, but that creativity creates more revenue. Now. Uh, I see that in 1995, you did mornings for the music director of K, no, WKGN in Knoxville. Was it your goal to grab a morning show somewhere and get involved in mornings? Uh, worst year of my life? No, no, and no. Oh. <laughs> Radio station in Tucson changed format. I was horrible on the air. No one would call me back. No one would uh, would answer my, my I would send air checks and, and subscribe to job tip sheet. 
and send yes. in my cassettes and my resumes and no one called me back. And one day some guy called me back and offered me a job sight unseen. And uh, I told my mom, mom, I'm going to Knoxville, Texas to do mornings. And she said, Randy, Knoxville is in Tennessee. And I said, mom, I'm going to Knoxville, Tennessee to do mornings. I didn't even know what ding, ding. I was going to. Well, um, and look, I think that's lesson number two is don't give up. Right. You know, it's hundred percent. I took the job, um, horrible, horrible uh, experience. Knoxville's a nice enough town, but it was awful. I was lonely. You know, the, the, I was poor, broken, lonely, those three things. Yeah. And, uh, but it was great experience and it, it taught me to endeavor and to not give up until I was able to get a position in a place I wanted to be in. And that was back in Tucson. Oh, and I love that because then you became an assistant music director in middays at Hot 98.3 in Tucson, and then assistant program director, music director in afternoons on Power 97.5. Did you like mornings or afternoons better? Oh, I don't like mornings uh, for, for me. No, afternoons, uh, absolutely. Love, love, love the PM drive. Love it. All right. And you love being back home, I'm going to guess, right? On the West Coast, absolutely. I have a rule, uh, unless you're talking about Miami. I love Miami, but I have a rule that I will never uh, move farther east than El Paso. That's kind of the cutoff line for me. I, I've always loved the Southwest and the desert. There's a magic about the land and, and the people and everything about the West that I, I'm absolutely so in love with. People who haven't been there don't understand how different it is. And if you love it, it becomes a huge passion for you. Listen, 1998, you began working weekends on Power 92 FM in Phoenix. Dude, you are branching out. You're like ready to go. What was that like at the time for you? I'll be honest, it was difficult. I was still very young. I had um, mm. I had a very established night show at the time in Tucson. I mean, we were doing pretty amazing things, and we were you know we were showing up to events, and and thousands of people were showing up. Probably, and this is not an exaggeration. During that time in my career in Tucson, doing nights on KRQ, it felt like you were in a boy band. And then I'd go up to Power ninety two in Phoenix, and I was an absolute nobody. I was a nobody, so it was very mm. grounding. And it was very humbling. I almost forgot how to do radio. I remember doing, I remember feeling very, um, very, I don't know if depressed is the word, but very deflated after I do my four hour show at Power because I, just, I don't think I was any good, didn't have much to say, <gasps> was not comfortable. So it definitely was a growing experience and a growing pain for me, but I was very happy to be in a top 20 market. Well, listen, did they hear you and hear about these incredible stories from you in Tucson and hire you, or did you? Go get that part-time job. Uh, you know, it is who you know. I'd been trying to work in Phoenix for years. That was my dream. I think it's every person's dream in Tucson at the time. You look to your big brother, Phoenix, and and nothing but uh, denials and people ignoring me. It was a former PD, the guy that hired me in Tucson at first, Bruce St. James, was now at Power in Phoenix, and he took a chance on me. So uh, there's definitely a little bit uh, stock in uh, it's who you know. Absolutely. It absolutely is. And I would go as far as to say this. There's nobody that you can't know. So if you don't know them, find a way to make an impression on them, get to know them, do something for them. Listen, in late 97, you began doing nights and were the music director, 93.7 uh, KRQ. I want you to focus for just a minute and tell us about uh, you as a music director, because, you know, you did the assistant thing, but this is different. 
You know, the great thing about radio and, and diving into different departments, you find out what you love, what you hate, and what you think is so-so. Um, man, I'd love to tell you that I was an amazing music director and I loved it. I liked mm. it. It was, a, it was a huge opportunity. It was a challenge. I think uh, what, I'll, what I'll take away from that is everything I learned. And I really learned how to not just be a music director, but I learned how to be a program director from both Tim Richards and, and Mark Medina. So, uh, you know, again, they took a chance on a, a, I think I was 20, 21, 22 at the time. And the interesting thing was, um, you know, I would have record reps come in that were in their, you know, late 20s or 30s or 40s and comment on how young I was like, wow, you're only 22. And it's so funny how over the years, slowly that's changed. And now, now I'm seeing record reps in their twenties visiting this, you know, 47 year old guy. So I think that's kind of funny, but it was a great opportunity. Yeah, so now, wait, so now they go, you're 47. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Right. You were born in the 1900s. Yeah. Oh my God. So listen, uh, you're such a creative guy and we haven't even touched that yet. Really. I feel like we've not touched that, but we're gonna, I want to know, do you have a mentor in this business? Maybe somebody early on or, or maybe like, I don't care where it comes from. I do. And there's at the risk of offending there, obviously there's too many to name, but um, right. I would probably say my two biggest mentors uh, were former program directors, uh, Bruce St. James and Tim Richards. And they're both mm -hmm. like dear friends and in some ways, even, even fathers to me. And uh, you know, they taught me so much and continue to teach me by the way. Wow. And, you know, it's so exciting when you have people who will kind of take you under their wing and and really make a difference in your life. And and we do a lot of these interviews. And I want to tell you, R-Dub, when, when a mentor makes that kind of commitment to somebody, it can really change the path of their life. I love the next step in your life here, 2000, the big rolling into the 21st century as things began, you became an entertainment correspondent for TV 13 and Tucson. Uh, so I got to ask, are you workaholic? What attracted you to TV? <laughs> I, you know, I, before being a DJ, before wanting to be a DJ in radio, I wanted to be a game show host. So I did always love hosting things. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I've always wanted to do TV. I don't think bad enough, or I would have left radio for TV. There've been some opportunities where I could start at the bottom on TV. So, so far in my career, including this, I've kind of just picked it up as a part-time fun hobby to scratch that itch. And um, really just a lot of respect to the folks who work in, in TV, dealing with both audio and video. It's an entirely different game, as you know. It absolutely is different. And look, just so that people understand that this is not just something that you just kind of mess around with. In 2003, you became the host of the Saturday Night Street Party on TV 58. What was performing on TV for you? That was a blast. And a quick story on this. This was a show where I would go out with my co-host and we would hit all of the hot spots in town, whether it was a 21 and up techno nightclub or bingo night at the senior center we tried to make it fun uh similar to a show called uh, up all night with david tell i think his name was so we'd go out on the street and if it was happening in tucson we would be there we would have some fun we'd incorporate it into the show and play music videos we went out to a uh, to a sponsor to a local sponsor to say please sponsor and help fund this show and i knew them personally and they were honest with me and they said our dub this is never going to get any ratings um, but yeah, well, here's, here's a few hundred bucks. We'll sponsor it. Not only did it get ratings, it, it came back with huge ratings. And I remember that advertising agency calling me back saying, we can't believe it. You did it. You got ratings on a local TV show 
on Saturday night. One of the most fun projects we've ever done. Yes, that creativity again, creating things that didn't exist before. KCZPU 2003, you began doing nights here. Um, who hired you there? So this was awesome. This was nights from my home via ISDN, and I did what? a slow jam. Yeah, slow jam show that started at 9 p.m. And, uh, and Mark Medina, who, by the way, is my third mentor. Uh, how could mm -hmm. I miss him? Mark Medina, who's now PD at Z100. Uh, the historic Z100. Uh, Mark Medina and I oh, worked yeah. at uh, KRQ in Tucson. He moved to Kiss FM in Phoenix. He knew the power of of slow jams and uh, the the competition. Power 92 started their slow jam show every night at 10. He said, "We're going to bring Rdub in," and started at nine, and we did. It was extremely successful, and we had a great run at KZZP. I promise you we're going to talk about that slow jams business here in a minute. Before we get there, though, we've got to take another little thing here. You also worked for Cox Cable in Tucson as an entertainment TV or TV tenor entertainment host and as program director of Hot 98.3 in Tucson. Then things get really interesting. Fusion Radio Networks in San Diego. Can you tell us about this development in 2007? What in the world? brought you to San Diego? Well, um, so I didn't actually go to San Diego until uh, 2011. Fusion Radio Networks is my LLC for my Sunday night slow jam show. So um, I don't know if you want to talk about slow jams now. but I do. I do. It's my next question. I want to know what makes slow jams so dang special. You know, I started Sunday Night Slow Jams in uh, 1994. I was 16 years old. Power 1490, Tucson, I, I certainly did not invent the idea of playing love songs and dedications on a Sunday night, um, but I fell in love with that format. And if anything is my baby, uh, it's that. And I've been doing that show, as I mentioned, since I was in high school, and I still do that show today. And in uh, in the early 2000s, uh, we're able to syndicate the show. And it started with just a couple other affiliates and then yeah, brick listen, by brick by brick. We look, got up to thing, over 200. This is what I... This is what I want people to understand about you if they've not come in contact with this. How many stations are you on with this show? So currently about 225. <laughs> and they say that it's, you know, if you want to do something that makes any kind of profit, you got to have at least 50. And here you are. This is monstrous. Yes. Uh, it's, I think it's pretty big. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, look. I I I put I put the same care and dedication and, and personalization on the show that's syndicated that I would, you know, back when I was 16 years old. It's just it's a show that I care about deeply, and I care about what we do, and I care about the impact it has on listeners. And so, what I quickly found out is if 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 you can do that and you can be successful with that formula in one station, there's really not a market you can't be successful in it's not you know it's not a regionalized niche a niche this is uh this is love, love songs speaking of females uh there's no one in the world that hasn't been in love or had a broken heart so uh this show is for everybody to be in love right so listen I, i'm gonna take kind of a an interesting left turn here because this gets to the business side of things i i you know Look, I've been involved in all kinds of shows. I work with different syndicated talent today. Uh, I want to ask you, how difficult is it to syndicate a radio program? Because, you know, I'm sure people ask you that a lot. It's like, oh, how do I do that? 
So the answer is, uh, it is not easy, but it is simple. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term. It's, it's not easy, but it is simple. The process, the formula is pretty simple. It's a lot of hard work. And really, pretty much anybody in radio can be syndicated. If you're on two stations, you're syndicated. If you're on in Cheyenne, Wyoming, in Peoria, Illinois, you're syndicated. Uh, there are people that are on two stations. There are people like Ryan Seacrest or Delilah that are on 400 stations, and there's a million people in between. This is where I, I I plug the book. I literally wrote out every single step. It is a, a, a instruction manual, literally step-by-step directions from A all the way to Z, and every step in between. The book is called Go Syndicate Yourself. It's on Amazon, or you can just go to GoSyndicateYourself.com. I love helping people. I wrote that book to help people. I love how in this interview, that question, you're so armed that you have a book for it. I mean, two, two the, books, but yeah, <laughs> two of them. Two books. I, yeah. It doesn't get any better than that. Okay. So tell us about the iHeart Slow Jams channel. That's been a fun project. Um, you know, this was uh, when, boy, when when streaming was just taken off. In fact, um, I think they there was a different name for it. I think they called them the iHeart Format Labs. And uh, mm. it was, gosh, almost 20 years ago. And it was this new thing. It was radio streaming. What's this? And so the folks at uh, Clear Channel at the time said, we're going to introduce a bunch of, of niche uh, niche uh, music channels from bluegrass to, to, to jazz to uh, Zydeco and whatever. And I said, hey, I, I love slow jams. Can I, can I make a slow jams channel? And they gave me the keys to the castle, and uh, it's, it's been a great ride. And it's 24 hours of slow jams. And even though I don't work for iHeartRadio day-to-day as a, as a program director, I work for a, a local San Diego cluster. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to be able to kind of you know, have uh, different irons and different fires. Absolutely. And look, you know, it's really interesting People think about 2000 or 2001 technically being the moment in time where you roll into the 21st century. But I often think of it as 2007 because you have the iPhone, you have the disruption of things like Facebook. Things are really changing, right? In 2007, you became the program director of Hot 92.3 in Los Angeles. Tell us about taking that job and what you learned from LA radio because LA radio is different. Um, such a bad experience in Tennessee. When I, when I came running back to Tucson, I swore and I made it public with, uh, with my program directors and GMs. I said, I'm never leaving Tucson unless it's LA or New York. So I stayed oh. put in Tucson and I didn't, you know, there, there were offers, but I'm, nope, I'm not leaving. I, I was scarred so much from leaving home, but, uh, sure enough, LA called, um, I was four days away from leaving Tucson to move to Brazil. I had quit my job after working oh. 10 years with Clear Channel. I was off to Brazil to do slow jams, literally on the beach, on the water. And um, and there was an opening at one of my favorite radio stations, and that was Hot 92.3 in Los Angeles. Um, they hired me, and uh, boy, it was an, um, just an incredible experience. And the biggest the biggest takeaway I had and really a compliment to everybody in that building was uh, I love the folks that I work for and with in Tucson and Phoenix, but uh, at least in, in at this time in 2007, when you got to LA, the people in that building were the most consummate pros you could ever meet. So 
the only thing that was difficult for me, Lloyd, was I was used to putting out fires all day and fixing people's, uh, you know, mistakes and, and screw-ups. Oh, yeah. screw I got to L.A. There wasn't a lot to fix. These people were one step ahead of me. So for me, the biggest challenge is what what, what do I do? And so, uh, look, I gave it my best. We had great ratings. Um, I was a student of PPM, and I was there when PPM was rolled out, so I got to learn yep. that firsthand. Got to hire Albie Shore as my midday guy, and a couple of other folks made some, I think, amazing changes. And uh, it was honestly, it was all victory, and just had a wonderful time and learned so much. That's so good. And and look, right down the road from there, you know, you're currently the program director, programming director of programming. Excuse me. I got to get the title right in San Diego. Tell us about your stations there, please. Um, well, this goes back to me being the luckiest man uh, in America. We are locally owned and operated. We have four uh, absolutely incredible stations, three legacy brands, including 91X, Z90, Magic 92.5. Our newest station is Classic Hits, 100.7 Big FM. Um, I program Z90 and Magic. These two stations, two of my favorite brands in the entire world for decades, and I always told myself, I don't ever want to program more than one radio station. I think every station deserves its own program director. I've been ve mm. vehemently against you know, programmers being given multiple stations because I just think it's unrealistic. However, when this opportunity came up, two of my favorite brands, are you kidding me? Um, I've been here 13 years. Uh, as I mentioned, we're locally owned and operated. We walk the walk and talk the talk. It still kind of feels like 1995 in the building. The lights are on. Uh, promo folks are running around. The music directors are blasting new music. Um, we're, we're fully staffed with uh, some incredible personalities. Uh, my team, both on Z90 and Magic, are some of the best. Our morning show and, and midday personalities have been there uh, coming up on 25 years this is a special group of stations, and anybody listening, I would love for you to stream our stations. Give them a listen, uh, especially uh, Magic 92.5. There's no station in the world like that uh, format and talent-wise. You may listen to it and not get it. You may listen to it and love it, uh, but it's a special station, and it's been dominating in the ratings. Knock on wood. Well, I got to tell you, you have some – I know you have some really special people that Corey Dillon business – is amazing and i also think you have somebody really really hyper cool on your board uh that that is in local ownership there and so i know the quality of people involved in that situation for you good for you you are kind of lucky guy aren't you are, are you not going to say the board member's name is that private well, no <laughs> i'm gonna let you say it if you want to well, there's, they're all cool. I mean, so <laughs> we have a board of directors that are all broadcasters, and that is so yes. rare. Yes. So. This particular one we interviewed is in Chicago, so that ought to give you a of tip. Of course. Off. Oh, John Guerin, absolutely. The best. Yes, quite fabulous. And and just knowing that level of commitment there has got to be incredible. And so this all lines up for me now. Okay, so you know that I'm not going to let this interview end without I, I promised myself I would just ask you about this one thing but I've got to ask about something else first tacos you and tacos <laughs> yeah can you please well I'm, the best I'm the taco on earth 
I'm the former taco inspector. I like to think that I was doing the food blogs way before people were doing food blogs, way before the iPhone was ever out. I had a little camcorder, and I would go to taco places around the world and do ratings. Um, I thought the bit was fun. You can find them on YouTube. A little embarrassing because they're so dated. Uh, Best taco in the world lies about a mile south of the border, um, over the Arizona border in Nogales, Sonora. And um, if you send it, send me an email, I will send you the exact pin on the map. There's no address. It's just a, a little cart, but it is the best tacos you will ever have in your life. All right. And just so people know, you did this all over the planet. I mean, it's really a thing. And, and I know that you just kind of downplayed it and said it's really dated and all that, but that stuff is fun, man. It's every really episode fun. has a, a, a every episode has a different theme song. By the way, before we start the Taco Inspector, so yeah, it's, mm. there you go. Speaking of themes, uh, there's this thing called the Republic of Slowjamistan. Let's slow down for a minute. Can you share how this co- country developed? This Republic of Slowjamistan. I'm a a geography nerd. Uh, in May of 2023, I finished visiting every country in the world. Uh, there are 193 countries in the world and I did visit them all. And yes, that includes North Korea and uh, Syria and Libya, etc. cetera. Uh, you, can, you can Google that. It's all online. Um, so what do you do when you finish visiting every country in the world? There's no countries to visit. So you make your own country. So um, I recently annexed 11 acres of land and put up a fence and a border gate and a sign um, we now have a flag, a national anthem. We have currency, passports, and more. The 194th country in the world is called the United Territories of the Sovereign Nation of the People's Republic of Slojamistan. I am the Grand Sultan of Slojamistan. We have over 17,000 registered citizens, and you can see it all. Just Google Slojamistan and enjoy the rabbit hole that I sent you down. You may never come oh, back wait. up. Has anybody ever said there's something wrong with you or has everybody always said there's something wrong with you? Most everybody. There you go. So I, I do want to say this to you, you know, whether it's looking at the, the taco tour or when you, if you've never heard of all of this stuff going on with this guy, R-Dub, uh, when you Google this Republic of Slow Jamistan and you start looking at the television coverage from it, I mean, dude, you are your own manufacturer of joy, are you not? That is so, <laughs> that's so kind of you to say. Probably the, ni- the nicest thing uh, anyone's ever said. Thank you so much. Um, well, but look, it's not just joy that you're manufacturing, which it is. I mean, going back to the taco days, I'm sure you still eat tacos. I'm just saying. But, um, but th- this joy is also promotion for, for getting attention which I think in many parts of the radio business has ebbed in this era of consolidation or what I now call post-consolidation era. I'm not sure I've ever thought of it this way. This may be an epiphany that I'm having with you at this very moment, but when I look back, it's simply attaching myself to the things I love the most and then running with them and sharing those things with other people in in um, overly – um, attention attracting ways. Um, and so I think I literally just had that epiphany right now. Those are, these are all things I slow jams, tacos, uh, geography. Those are my loves. Greatest 
radio personalities on planet Earth do exactly what you just said. They bring their life to life on the radio. They share the things that they love. They share their vulnerabilities and their craziness, right? That's it. This is uh, Lessons Taught to You by R-Dub right now on this podcast. All right, so let's get to it. The, this is always the, the question that I ask that is now you have to pay for being our guest. I'm <laughs> sorry. This is the way it works. Let's talk about the future of radio. Nobody knows the future. You have this lifelong romance with radio. You never let her go. But what would you like to see local radio become if you could control it, R-Dub? Oh, yeah. Um... That's a tough question. Um, so I'll answer it quickly and then give my uh, other side of it, which is which is encouraging. Um, there's a million things that that I would like to see happen, and I, I don't think many of them are, are going to happen. Um, but but that includes obviously the big one, uh, reinvesting in talent, and um, you know all of, of all of the cuts that we've made and continue to make. You know, if we ever made all of these cuts. You know, if we did this in the 70s and 80s, we might have gotten away with it because there was still nowhere else for folks to go. But, yeah. um, you know, in 2024, um, with a billion other choices that look more attractive than radio to young people, now's the time where we should be investing literally the most that we've ever invested. Uh, but yet we're doing the exact opposite. Here's the good news for folks like me, young or old, that love radio and want to continue doing what they love um and, and you'll you'll see how big the republic of slow jamistan has has gotten um yes. that is all radio slow jamistan is not a country although it is but when you think about it slow jamistan is a radio station i took 30 years the 30 years in radio especially promotions and i i took all of that training to make this imaginary country that now has appeared on news outlets, including CNN, in over 200 countries, 17,000 citizens, we're making a ton of money on our merch store. That is just like a radio station, except we don't have a transmitter stick. So if you've worked in radio and you have the passion and you have the skill set and you have the experience, you will be able to take all of that to anywhere else in the world, there may not be a transmitter side attached to it, but you have all of that amazing knowledge, skill, and experience that radio has taught you. And you're going to do great things with that, even if it's not connected to an antenna. You have just shared something that it, I'm, I'm going to fire right back at you because I say this all the time. Once you have a radio station, you get anything else you want. What I mean by that is exactly what you just said. I think people in our business oftentimes think, God, you know, if I'm not on the radio, what am I going to do? Well, the truth is in this business, if you have been sharpening your ax in this business for a period of time, you are uniquely uh, armed with so many creative things. If the next time somebody tells you something's not possible, you know, maybe you Google slow jam stand for them and say, really? Well, uh, what's this? This is possible, right? And I just think for you to come on our podcast and give these examples is incredible. And our dub, I want to thank you for spending this time with us and for being our guest. 
Super fun. Thank you for all you do. And uh, anybody listening who ever needs anything, I want to be one of those people that, uh, you know, does return the call and the email. So you hit me anytime. Uh, You can find me online. Super easy. Um, Thanks for the time. This was a lot of fun. Just hear what he just said. He's like, Anything that I can do to help you, that is exactly one of the keys that we always want to encourage people. But listen, please don't take for granted what we're doing here and help us by sharing this episode from our website. You can do it, rainmakerpathway.com. Look in the free blog section. You can share with others who are interested in growing their careers in radio and audio. This episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed exactly like the other 140 plus in our archive already to encourage radio pros at all levels. We want to say a big special thank you again to today's guest, R-Dub, the creator uh, and the host of Sunday Night Slow Jams. And you hear his passion for this and how it's been this 30-year journey and also the weeknight slow jams with R-Dub. And like he said, you know, everybody's either been in love, they want to be in love, they're about being in love, and why wouldn't that work in a ton of places? And of course, the answer is uh, it does work. And now, look, a very special thank you to Joe Kelly as well for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available moments after our live interview. And thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. We say this all the time on our podcast, and I say it to clients regularly. Once you have a radio station, you could get anything else you want. If you've got questions about this kind of philosophy, please reach out to me. It's my passion to tell you about it. I'd love to prove it to clients every day. If you don't remember anything from this podcast episode, which would be a shame, uh, but please remember this, be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of the radio rally with the encouragers. Now go make it a great week in local radio.